What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by one of the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wadner. Will is still on vacation. He will rejoin us on next week's recap episode when we sit down to recap Bills versus Titans, which is the game we are now going to preview. And joining us to do that, this is his, I believe, second appearance on the, uh, the podcast. Filling in for Will as a guest host is going to be uh, Nick Lombardi, also a, a writer of Titan Size. Thanks for helping us out, Nick. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, we're just going to hop right on into our preview of Titan's Bills. Uh, before we dive in, into uh, actual specific stuff, I want to address one thing real, fir- real first, real quick, and that's this idea of a trap game. So when I think about the Titans and trap games, I think my mind goes back to last year's pair of games on the West Coast against Arizona and San Francisco because the Titans went into those games 8 and 3 I believe yeah they went into those games 8 and 3 mm-hmm. with four games left on the schedule no 8 and 4 excuse me they were 8 and 4 and there were four games left on the schedule two on the road two at home and so those Titans players had to be thinking, you know, we, we split these games on the road, we split our home games, we finish 10-6, and six, we win the division. And that, that's like worst-case scenario. And, you know, I don't know. We, we talk a lot about how Mike Malarkey's strength as head coach was, was building a strong locker room. But I feel like that was one area where he maybe failed in that regard was – the Titans totally fell into that trap and dropped three of their last four and didn't win the division. So do you, do you foresee a chance of that happening with a Mike Vrabel coach team? Because I, I really don't. No, I don't, I don't think you could just say something is a trap game just because you're going on the road and you're playing a bad team. I, I, just, I, don't, I don't see the, the, the logic in that, really. Um, maybe if we were dealing with a lot of injuries – um, and we haven't been playing well, maybe this could be a spot where Buffalo uh, notches a victory. And maybe if it was like in November, December, and it was snowing, and it was just really hard to play. But the weather's fine. The Titans are in a three-game win streak. They've looked good in every single game. Uh, and just Frable has got these guys ready to play. And by all accounts, they're not taking this game uh, lightly at all. So I, I don't see... I really just think the Titans are going to handle their business in this game and just and, and come back. So I, I'm not too worried about it, honestly. Yeah, from what I've seen from Vrabel, he's not going to allow them to get in the mindset that would uh, lead them to lose to a team like the Bills. But, I mean, I've been a Titans fan so long, my brain just has, you know, alerts going up. Because um, the game, actually, I think of more than the West Coast trip was the Browns last year. I mean... They were close to tying. It was, I think, a 9-6 to game against. That was probably the closest the Browns came to winning last year. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that they lost to the Browns the year before that. And that was the worst. Actually, I think the the Browns game the year before was the Cody Kessler. Yes. That's right. We should have lost that game. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they almost. We were very close to losing. They're kind of the Browns. This season, to me, that's why I'm really 
team. Um, the only thing I, I always get worried is anytime you're going on the road, you never know um, with with the opposing team. They just sometimes they have random good games. That's that's the only thing I'm worried about. But I still think that the Titans should should pull this out. So let's start. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say the game last year that I thought was for sure a trap game. Uh, I said it on the podcast, it was the Cardinals game, but that was just because our offense was absolutely god awful. And our offense actually looks really good right now, coming off one of its best games in a long time. Uh, and this defense isn't going to allow a- a- anything to, to get out of hand. So I- I'm not worried at all. I will never forget when the Titans' offensive coaching staff, and this was the biggest indictment on a receiving core imaginable, fourth down and like five, game on the line. And they put the ball in the hands of their rookie cornerback. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. It's not that an objectively moment. bad call when you consider how the receivers had played, but it really showed what they thought of those receivers. Yeah, yeah that, that, that moment I was just out on Rubisky at that point. <laughs> I, mean, I, <laughs> I think we were they already did, out. They did have Delaney Walker. I don't know how you don't. At least make him the yeah. primary, or that he hadn't like really practiced that play. Right? It's one thing if you've worked on it multiple times, but they just kind of like threw him out there in desperation. So uh, let's start as we always do with the injury report for both teams. Again, we record these podcasts on Thursday, so we don't have the Friday injury reports yet. But we will go off of what we have right now. Start with the Bills. Um, a couple of notable players on the Bills injury report. Uh, Charles Clay has an ankle injury. He was limited on Wednesday, did not practice on Thursday. Um, Shaq Hmm. Lawson limited both days. Uh, Safety Micah Hyde has not practiced at all this week, nor has Pro Bowl pass rusher Lorenzo Alexander. Initial thoughts on that. Uh, Charles Clay, I'm pretty sure, has been limited every practice of his career. So I'm not sure. He would, he would <laughs> I'm know not he sure. played in Miami for a while. Yeah, no, he he was he always gets veteran Veterans Days. So I don't I don't know about that, but I mean, de- getting downgraded to not no practice on Thursday is usually not a very good sign. Um, so we'll we'll, we'll see what that's like if he goes down. This uh, this offense, oh my god, it's gonna be <laughs> disgusting because their backups are. Jason Kroom, I don't know who that is, I'm going to be honest with you. And then uh, converted Virginia Tech quarterback, Logan Thomas, who's very athletic, but Whoa, he's not very good. Like, didn't tight that end. dude play in the playoffs for Arizona several years ago? He might have. He, yeah, I, I think, think he might have, right. yeah. I think he might be right. So, wow, if Charles Slay doesn't play, we, we might see one of the worst offenses ever. Uh, that's not even hyperbole. So the the one I'm I'm really not concerned about, but more paying attention to is Lorenzo Alexander. He's far and away the Bills' best player, probably on the entire team, uh, as just a fantastic edge rusher who's really good in run defense and also uh, in pass rush. So that's definitely one to keep an eye on. I'm not sure I'm not sure what his injury is, um, but I, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to. Well, play, it's right? it's listed now that I look at it as non-injury related. And, yeah, that's and he, the interesting part of this is Wednesday he was listed as did not practice. Thursday, no designation. Yeah, so the designation is he's 35 years old and he doesn't need to practice for us, I'm assuming. So yeah, I'm I, assuming he's going to play. I think the yeah. Micah Hyde injury, if he doesn't end up going – could uh, hurt their defense as well. I mean, he was mm-hmm. a pro bowler last year. And, I mean, uh, besides Tredavious White, they have a lot of young and inexperienced cornerbacks, and they need him back there, not only as a safety, but I think he's also been moved up and playing some corner. Just one of those versatile guys you can move all over. So him being out would be a big loss as well. Hey, yeah, he's a very versatile player. Yeah, he has 23 coverage snaps in the slot. So he's kind of kind of a do-it-all. Um, he's a guy I actually wanted the Titans to take a look at uh, just because of his versatility and what you can do with him on a defense. Uh, if he's out, that that is a massive loss. Um, it's Because pretty much the only strength on this Bills team is their secondary. Uh, their front seven is pretty good, but their secondary is really uh, where, where, where most of their talent is. And if they lose Hyde, who has been probably their second-best defensive player outside of Lorenzo Alexander— that is just going to make this game even more tough than it already was for the Bills. 
and I think his backup is injured too. So it, that's to double down on that. They're really going to be thin back there. One thing I want to add, I think I need to make a correction. The way I'm, look, I'm looking at this again, and I think the way I now understand it is Lorenzo Alexander with no designation means he was effectively removed from the injury report. So he's good to yeah, go. Yeah, that, that probably makes sense. So expect so to be chalk up, ch- chalk a, a Bills win into the – they're going to win for sure now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, let's take a look at the Titans injury report. Um no real surprises, for one. We all knew Kenny Vaccaro wouldn't practice. He, he's going to be a couple of weeks with elbow dislocation. Uh, still no Wesley Woodyard on Thursday. He has yet to practice this week. Corey, Re- Corey Davis returned in full capacity on Thursday after practicing in a limited fashion on Wednesday because he was uh, suffering a non-injury illness. Um, it was good to see Dennis Kelly return to the practice field on Thursday in a limited capacity. Mike Vrabel talked about how he's beginning to enter the return-to-play protocol that the Titans have have instituted with their team. So probably going to be another week with him. Weight is a concern after the illness that he dealt with, but definitely good to see him back out there. Mariota is still listed on the injury report, and he probably will be as long as he's still wearing that glove on his right hand. But I watched him today. He's still throwing the ball really, really well. Also, Blaine Gabbert cleared from the concussion protocol. So really, aside from Woodyard, who hurt his shoulder on Sunday, and Kenny Vaccaro, who we knew would be out, good news all around for the Titans. Yeah, I'd say so. And even if Woodyard doesn't suit up for this game, which seems probably likely, I mean, missing this much practice time is usually not a good sign. Um, but they might just be taking it slow with him since he's up there in age. Uh, I, I just, I, I, I'm pretty confident in Jayon Brown and what he's been able to do this season. I think he's been one of the more impressive guys. Uh, this past week, he did miss a couple tackles. Uh, which c- kind of hurt his um, his overall body of work. But, I mean, he, he was playing against Jay Ajayi and, and uh, Wendell Smallwood, who were just breaking tackles left and right. Uh, and, and the Vaccaro thing is a really is a is a real bummer because I thought he was playing really well uh, and really fitting well into the into the versatile defense that, that we've been able to um, to conjure up. So I don't I don't really know much about Kendrick Lewis. I'm going to be honest. I really just haven't seen him play all that much. Um, his numbers last week were, were fine. He uh, he did miss a tackle. Uh, he only gave up one reception, and, and it went for minus six yards. So I don't I don't really have much to say. But I the, the interesting I can't th- see the interesting thing about Kendrick Lewis is uh, in his rookie season he was teammates with Mike Vrabel in Kansas. Really, City. he was. He uh, he they had lockers next to each other actually. Um, wow, I had no idea who was that old. Yeah, um, Suckup was there too, right? The three. Yes. Yeah, he That's was, the, and so was Matt Castle. Yeah, I've uh, never heard that name in my life. I don't know who that is, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> anyway, um, I don't think Vaccaro's absence is going to be that sorely missed. Uh, not because he hasn't been good; he really has. But just because the Bills cannot threaten you downfield, I know Josh Allen has a big arm, but the Bills' receiving core is one of the worst things I've ever seen. So I, I don't think Kendrick Lewis is going to be uh, called upon too often in this game uh, outside of maybe being brought in uh, in run support. Yeah, I, I was happy to see Kelly's getting back too because with uh, Kevin Pamphiel being out, um, it's pretty much leaving merits as the third tackle. And Kelly's a much better player as a veteran and with his experience and merits. And so... Getting him back as a third tackle for depth is going to be big. Definitely. Um, so let, let's move in and talk about some of the uh, the key areas of the Bills roster. Matias, you brought up the receiving core, so we'll start there. It's bad. Um, <laughs> there's really no way around it. You got Kelvin Benjamin. You may have Charles Clay. We addressed his injury situation. Um, but – no one really that stands out is like, oh, that's a guy we need to make sure we take care of. Like, I'm looking at these names, like Andre Holmes has bounced around a ton. You know, Zay Jones, I loved him before the draft. I, th- I think we both did, Matias. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But he's really done nothing so far. You you call him Tajay Sharp uh, 2.0. Um, <laughs> it's kind of what he's been to this point, yeah. 
and I, you know, I, I'm thinking, you know, more, the more and more I look at these receivers, that the Titans' corners need to be able to match up well with these guys. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, we said it. We said it before the podcast that if if Calvin Benjamin uh, beats Malcolm Butler on a deep route, we might just have to might just have to cut him or maybe shut down the whole season for the team. But um, that was a joke. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Calvin Benjamin has never burned anyone in his life. So, I mean, I just don't see any receivers beating any of our cornerbacks at all. Um, they, they just don't really have speed outside of maybe Robert Foster. Uh, he ran a 4-4-1, and he, he's a pretty athletic guy, um, but he really has done nothing to this point in his career to even warrant uh, much much attention. Um, and, and then I, Andre Holmes is just really pedestrian. Kelvin Benjamin has been really just really bad since he um, since he left Carolina and just hasn't been able to, to to capture some of the some of the not really magic, but some of the efficiency that he that he had as a rookie. Um, he's really nothing more than just a box out guy, maybe in the red zone. Um, but he really hasn't even been good at that, to be honest. And then we talked about Zay Jones, uh, Andre Holmes, Jeremy Curley. These are just really pedestrian guys that can't threaten you with explosiveness or beating you down the field or any of that. Uh, Andre Holmes, maybe just because he's kind of a of a, a speed size guy, but he's thirty years old and he's never really contributed all that much to any team. Um, not to mention, Josh Allen is not accurate at all, um, and I don't know how many times he's even going to be able to find these guys. I, I, I think the main target is really going to be Charles Clay, assuming he's he's healthy, um, and then LaShawn McCoy out of the backfield. So in terms of their receivers, I just don't see any way that they'll even um, cause any concern for our cornerbacks. Yeah, kind of a cruel irony that Josh Allen has this big cannon and nobody to run on, up under it. Yeah. Uh, I, it's so ironic, isn't it? <laughs> you would think they'd get someone in the offseason to to bring in for him, but um, <laughs> maybe maybe they had high hopes for A.J. McCarron at that maybe, point. Maybe they'll so, sign up for Perryman. <laughs> yeah. Did they sign him? No, I don't think anyone has. Have they? Bring him in for a workout? I think they might have. Someone did. I didn't. Oh, know. no. It was the Patriots, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I honestly I can't remember. Um, let's talk a little bit about Josh Allen. Uh, we, we covered him at nauseum during our, our pre-draft podcasts. Um, there's not much to add to that. I think we all still feel the same way, that he's just a big arm, and that's about it. Um but we were kind of talking a minute ago about, you know, what what can the Titans do to get the worst out of Josh Allen? Because with Blake Bortles, you have to pressure him. If you pressure him, he completely just dismantles. But not all quarterbacks are like that. You know, some quarterbacks do fine under pressure, and they're more of just, you know, an inaccurate thrower. They're, they're not precision players, and they just, you know, struggle to move the ball, essentially. So what do you think the Titans need to do to, to make Allen have a bad game? Um, I, I really don't think that pressure is like the, the end-all, be-all of um, making Josh Allen play bad. Yeah, I agree. I, the Vikings got a lot of pressure on him. They hit him five times, and they sacked him three times, um, and he still completed 15 of 22 passes. So I think just playing stout coverage um, and eliminating those deep routes – um, and just just making him make a play, um, I think he's going to outthink himself because he, he did it a lot in college, um, and he's just not accurate. Uh, it's just the truth, um, and I think he's just going to throw himself into, into really bad situations. That said, when he does get pressured, like he did uh, against Green Bay, he was very bad, and he was making some really bad mistakes that we haven't seen since maybe Nathan Peterman in week one. Um, fellow Buffalo Bill. Um, but yeah, Josh Allen has been easily one of the worst quarterbacks in the league so far this year. Uh, and and I, I think we all kind of saw it coming. Uh, I don't want to blame him for it just because he's a rookie. He's a developmental project and he really doesn't have a lot of weapons um, with him. And he's also behind a really bad offensive line. But yeah, it's just, I don't, I don't, I think you just sit back there when you get pressure 
I think we're going to be able to get pressure with four players, honestly. I really don't think we're going to have to send all these blitzes just because the Buffalo offensive line has not been good at all. Um, so if we could get pressure with four or five guys and not have to send blitzes and just cover man-to-man against these receivers who, who can't really beat you um, all that deep, uh, I think Josh Allen's just going to play himself in a, in a couple turnovers, and then we're going to get good field position and put this game away. Yeah, I think Dean Pease has to be looking at his chops uh, when he, he saw um, Josh Allen on, on the uh, on the schedule. I mean, Pease <laughs> loves giving different coverages and disguises, and I think we're Josh with Josh Allen coming from Wyoming and not having a lot of experience. You know, he's he's going to struggle with disguises and knowing where to go and where the blitz is coming from so i bet Pease is going to be dialing up a lot of different stuff just to keep him on his toes i think another important thing is to contain him um yes that, that was something he did against minnesota was he ra- he ran for two touchdowns and he got out and obviously had the famous hurdle play um so if, if we're bringing pressure you got to make sure to contain him and the titans did a good job of uh of doing that against bortles who also is kind of like that um, he's an opportunistic scrambler, um, and he had his lowest rushing total of the season uh, against the Titans, which was the week after he tore up the Patriots doing that. So I think that they'll be well-prepared to defend Josh Allen. Yeah, I don't want to compare him to Patrick Mahomes in any way, um, but he he is very good at uh, getting out of situations and scrambling to try to to try to find something. Uh, the problem with Allen is he's just not even close to as accurate as Mahomes um, and really just doesn't read the field as well. So when he is scrambling and running around and improvising, um, he usually ends up making mistakes, uh, which hurt his team. But, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. Where do you guys stand uh, in terms of QB development? Like with Mahomes doing so well this year, you know, a lot of guys are saying, oh, look how good it is to have a QB just sit and learn the system and get – get their uh, feet wet, um, and you look at Josh Allen, and they're just kind of throwing him to the wolves for a season. Do you think this is good for him, or do you think it would have benefited mm. him more to sit behind I'm, Peterman for a year? I'm glad you asked that because I, That's have, a good question. I have a pretty firm take on this. My, my take is if you have a legitimate franchise quarterback ahead of them, talking Alex Smith, Mahomes, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, um, there, there's another one I'm, I'm missing of these kinds of situations that have happened. Um, did uh, <laughs> Doug Flutie, did Brees sit behind Doug Flutie a little bit no, before he got out there? that's not who I'm thinking about. Maybe Philip Rivers drew Brees. That, that's that's mm, one, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, but like, I think you have to have a situation like that in order to keep the, the rookie on the bench. If you're the Rams and you draft – Jared Goff and Case Keenum is the quarterback, play Jared Goff. If you're the Eagles yeah. and Sam Bradford is the quarterback, play Carson Wentz. If you're the Cardinals and Sam Bradford is the quarterback, play Josh Rosen. Uh, Garoppolo Brady, that's the one I, I, I was neglecting mm. yep. to think of. Yep. Because it shows time and time again that if you let the rookie work out their problems on the field, number one, they usually – figure them out i mean I, at least to some extent but uh number two when you put a guy on the bench to quote unquote develop and you have and you don't have the the franchise guy in place rarely does that guy ever like the next year right come out and just take the league by storm unless it's mahomes because again they had a real franchise quarterback ahead of him because they're sitting there the whole – Mahomes knew he wasn't going to play last year. There was never a point in that season where he thought, maybe this is the game. But when you've got a, uh, a Geno Smith sitting behind whoever it was the Jets had that year, I can't even remember. McCown, maybe? Or no, was that? no. It was, that was uh, before. Yeah, well, when you've got that situation and the guy's thinking, he's itching to get in. When am I going to get in? When am I going to get in? <laughs> I don't think it's good for the for the player, and, and it, I just don't think it's effective. It doesn't work. It's developing a quarterback on the bench. Again, unless it's those situations, it's a myth in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with that for the most part. The only thing I'll add is I think um, that sometimes there's 
the quarterbacks, well, I mean, I guess this pertains to their makeup in general, but they need to be confident and they need to not think of the last throw. They need to move on and just take their like small baby steps. I feel like there's been cases. What could be more confidence inducing than right after the draft calling him and saying, you're our guy, you're our quarterback, let's get to work, like the Titans did with Mariota. One of the greatest things Ken Wisenhunt ever said was before that draft, someone asked him, you know, if you take one of the quarterbacks at two, Winston or Mariota, do you, do you envision those guys, you know, being your starter or, you know, do you let them sit behind Mettenberger? And he flat out said, he said, if we draft a guy in the top five, it's to be our starting quarterback. Yeah. And, and I think that's what you have to do. I mean, can you I imagine guess. if the Titans had drafted Mariota and then let him sit behind Zach <laughs> Mettenberger? Some people would have been happy. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Cassell. Uh, yeah, but I, I, yeah, you're right. And the other thing, too, is, you know, if you're confident is shot after one season, then you probably don't have the makeup to be a franchise quarterback anyways. So That's probably true. I think we might be seeing – we probably saw that with Deshaun Kaiser last year. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I don't oh, think Deshaun Kaiser's just – I think he's bad at football. No, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, There's also that. I think it even mattered. Yeah, but um, I, I don't. They're all kind of different situations. I think like Lamar Jackson with Flacco right now. Flacco's playing really well, so there's no reason. But I think if Mahomes would have played last year, I think he would have had just as good of a season as Alex Smith had. I don't know. He we 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 got to watch him in the preseason. Remember, because the Titans played the Chiefs in in week four of the preseason, and he was bad in that game. He threw some rough passes. He, he's come he a had, long way since then. He had one really nice one, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it, it's all, it's always, um, and and it always has a lot to do with the team and the players, um, that are around the quarterback. Um, so it, it's a tough situation uh, in terms of getting it right. Thankfully, the Titans did get it right. Yeah, I'm sure Josh Allen will progress nicely under the watchful eye of Terry Robisky. So yes. no worries there. We need to talk about Terry Robisky before we go any further. I'm glad you brought that up, Nick, because. On a conference call with members of the Nashville media on Wednesday, Buffalo Bills head coach Sean McDermott referred to Terry Robisky as, quote, the governor of the Bills offense. (laughs) It kind of sounds like he was trying to think of something nice to say, but he couldn't really think of what Terry Rubisky did, so he just picked like a nice sounding position. He's like, uh, governor. He's he's the governor of our offense. I don't I, I guess. I don't know. I still think I have no idea what that means. I still think of Terry Robisky as uh, there was that guy on Twitter who would say that he uh he didn't have a play sheet. He had a, a Waffle House menu or a coloring <laughs> book, one of the two. <laughs> what what is what what is Terry Rubisky? Is he like an offensive Wide receiver coach. Okay. Really? Mm-hmm. So why is he the governor of anything? Well, the wide receivers <laughs> all suck. So it's yeah. Like, I don't. Know. He fits right into that room. Yeah, I don't. Oh my, the governor. What? Why is your wide receiver coach the one who's who's governing? I don't know. Maybe he's the old, young players aren't. Old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't really have like a like a demanding personality, did he? I don't know. I've never spoken to him in my life. He just doesn't look like a. I don't know. Well, I'm not going to get in there. You know. I do feel like he bashed the wide receivers a decent bit here. So I'd be interested what he has to so say about Mike his Malachi. current crew. They were yeah, like, oh, the route depth. The, the splits, the route depth. That's why we're losing games. Well, shouldn't it? Shouldn't they have been better coached if Robisky's uh, true calling was with receivers the whole time? Exactly. I don't know. Just saying. I'm just saying. Um, but I'm sure he'll uh, really develop Calvin Benjamin going forward. It looks like it's going well. <laughs> Let's talk about this uh, this Bills defense because I think that's clearly where their strong suit is. We talked about, about Micah Hyde. Maybe he plays, maybe he doesn't. But up front, they've got some talent. You've got Jerry Hughes and Lorenzo Alexander on the edges. Uh, you've got uh, Kyle Williams on the inside. You've got uh, Tremaine Edmonds, the, the rookie linebacker, who's very, very athletic. There's some talent on that Bills defense, and, you know, it's nothing compared to facing Philadelphia last week. But if there's any area where you absolutely can't sleep, it's when the Titans' offense is on the field or, or Buffalo's defense will make your day long. 
Yeah, they're actually a very good defensive team. Um, they just don't seem that way because of that that blowout against the Ravens um, and against the Chargers, I think, also in Week 2. Um, but in terms of, like, efficiency, they've actually been really good on defense. They're sixth in uh, in yards per attempt giving, given up um, through the air. And in terms of yards per carry, they're, they're 10th with 3.9. So a lot of what they've given up, it's been like short. They've given up a lot of short rushing touchdowns, and they really haven't been able to— they they really haven't gotten run on at all, uh, and they faced against Melvin Gordon. They gave up 28 yards on nine carries. I don't know why Melvin Gordon only got nine carries, um, but and in week one, Alex Collins had seven carries for 13 yards. Um, so they're actually very stout defensively, um, and also through the air. Like I said before, they have a really decent secondary. Uh, they've been they're dealing with some injuries right now, uh, but if they're all healthy, Micah Hyde. Tredavious White, uh, Philip Gaines isn't a terrible cornerback. Uh, Jordan Poyer's, Poyer's a really nice uh, other safety piece along with Micah Hyde. Um, so they, they have talent. Uh, and Sean McDermott's uh, a defensive-minded coach. He was the the defensive coordinator for the Panthers for quite a while, um, and they always had good defenses. Uh, and the Bills always seem to have a good defense. The problem is uh, they've been getting put in really bad situations by their offense because they haven't been able to move the ball. And, and also they've been turning the ball over. So that's kind of contributed um, to why some people may think the Bills are bad on defense, but that's not really the case. Yeah, I think right now their DVOA is 15th overall, which is pretty middle of the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but last last week, I mean, losing 22 to nothing is bad, but when you consider giving up 22 points to Aaron Rodgers when your offense can't do anything, that's kind of impressive. And they yeah. shut down a pretty good... Uh, Vikings offense the week before so I I think the Titans will have their handful and especially with the edge guys I think I saw that uh, pro football focus has uh, Jerry Hughes and Lorenzo Alexander both as top 20 edge guys right now Um, I appreciate you using DVOA and not pro football focus well I I just used both so I guess (laughs) he did yeah how you I, I, I tried to counteract it by a little bit of DVOA there. <laughs> hey, but, uh, it's, it's better than just pro football focus. Yeah, yeah. but um, They are I, pretty I good with the, edge rushers, though, in terms of grading yeah. them. And offensive and I linemen. Think the the yeah. Titans have had such a hard string of defensive pass rush they faced the past few weeks. Like, yeah. Rolling in from – I mean, even Miami, I mean, they it, shut them yeah. down. But every, all every the one way of through them now, is – I mean, week one – it was uh, Cameron Wake and uh, Willie Hayes. Robert, Robert Quinn. Quinn. Robert Quinn. Week two, it was Watt and Clown. Excuse me, Clown didn't play. Watt and Merciless. Week mm-hmm. three, it was um, uh, uh, Yannick Ngakwe oh, no. and Calais yep, yep, yep. Campbell. Last week, it was Derek Barnett and Michael Bennett and those guys. And it's not going to get much easier this week with Lorenzo Alexander and Jerry Hughes. That's a pretty tough run there. And then the next week, the Ravens are coming into town <laughs> with Brandon yeah. Williams, and and we talked about Suggs and those guys. So, yeah, I mean, they just can't seem to get any any breaks with that. The good news is our offensive line has been fantastic in pass blocking. And they Only just given got up an all thirteen back. Yeah, right. And we did most of that without Conklin. Only thirteen QB hits given up um, through four weeks. Uh, I think that's second best in the NFL right now. I think only the Rams yeah. have like one less. So that's really impressive. Um, and, and they're going to need it against uh, Lorenzo Alexander and Jerry Hughes, who are probably two of the most uh, underrated pass rushers uh, in the entire NFL. Yeah, I would say so. Um, let's hop into some matchups that could help decide this game. Um, I've got three written down that we can talk about. Um, the first being... Um, the Titans' run defense, particularly you know, Jarrell Casey and Daquan Jones versus LaShawn McCoy, because Dean Pease talked a lot on Thursday about missed tackles, and that really has been killing the Titans. But luckily the running backs that they've faced, aside from maybe Lamar Miller, haven't been those big chunk play guys. And Kenyon Drake, I guess, was that guy, and, and he kind of gave the Titans some trouble. And so the Titans have to make tackles when they have the opportunity. I'm not talking about well-blocked plays where there's a huge hole and, and 
McCoy or whoever it is runs through it. I'm talking about when you have your arms around him, bring him to the ground. And that's going to be huge mm-hmm. for this Titans defense this week. You cannot let LaShawn McCoy wreck this game because that's the one way that the Bills offense is going to win this game is if LaShawn McCoy goes off. I don't even know if, how much are they going to even use McCoy. They haven't been using him at all. Um, his his highest touch total so far this year is 13, I think. I, it's just been really weird. See, see I, I think that they're going to run McCoy a lot. Um, I think he only had like eight touches last week. He's, he's a little healthier. And the fact that he was grumbling about his lack of touches. I think that paired with his grumbling and the fact that the Titans are seventh in the league, seven worst in the league in terms of uh, yards per carry. I think that and the fact that they're not doing too well through the air, I think they're just going to try and feed them until they can't, especially if Wesley Woodyard's out. You guys want to hear a hot take? I'm more concerned about Chris Ivory than LaShawn McCoy. Oh, that's Ooh. a hot take. That's spicy. That's a hot take right there. <laughs> Chris Ivory's been actually really good, um, and he's one of those guys like Jay Ajayi last week who forces a lot of missed tackles, and we have been atrocious at tackling. So I'm actually more concerned about Chris Ivory beating us than LaShawn McCoy because McCoy hasn't really looked like his old self uh, so far this season, uh, and especially with that offensive line not doing very well. Um, I'm not sure how, how much yardage he can even create on his own at this point. Next. I mean, he only had he only had five sorry he only had five carries last week, but That's it's just twenty four yards. So I mean he was it was almost at a five yard clip there. So I don't I think that was part of the reason why he was complaining was that he was effective when used. I think they just got down early and just didn't give him the ball. They're probably just resting him for the playoff run, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, he said he said that he thinks that they can make the playoffs with the pieces they have, and that was just sure. this week. Yeah. So. Yeah, give that guy the ball. <laughs> um, this Bills team, they were in the playoffs last year. Well, not this Bills team. Oh my God. Different <laughs> Bills team. Um, that playoff game never happened. Dude, I'll never exist. forget watching Bortles versus Tyrod Taylor. Oh and then the next game after that was Cam Newton and Drew Brees. And it was like refreshing <laughs> watching yeah. the quarterback play in the second game. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is what a real NFL quarterback looks like. Wasn't it bad weather, too, just to make things worse? Uh, I can't remember. I think I think it was, like, raining. Well, it, so. was, it was in Jacksonville. No, it was in Jacksonville. Yeah. Oh, it might have been bad weather, though. Yeah, you're right. Didn't, uh, didn't Tyrod get benched in that game? No, he got hurt, and Peterman came in. Oh, cool. And then he threw a pick to Jalen Ramsey, right? He did. Good times. Oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> Next matchup is Corey Davis versus Tredavious White. Uh, Nick, you mentioned before we started recording that you think that matchup could end up being a push. But if Corey Davis is able to get the upper hand and have a – he's not going to have the same stats as he did last week, of course. But, I mean, if he's able to kind of be that dominant number one receiver that Mariota can count on, then that's going to make life so much easier for Taewon Taylor and Tajay Sharp because they're not going to be going against Tredavious White, most likely. They're going to be going against much inferior cornerbacks. Yeah, I, I think it'll be a bit of a push. I don't think White will shut him down completely. Um, use another DVOA stat here. Uh, the, the Bills are number nine overall versus number one wide receivers. Um, and obviously that's a lot to do with what White's been able to do. Um, I, I think Devontae Adams is a good example of what White will do. He had eight catches for 81 yards last week so i mean he got a decent amount of yards but that's not great production at 10 yards a catch um so he's not going to give you give up a big play or anything like that so i think davis will get his but i think tajay and taewon are the ones to watch you know against less experienced cornerbacks and if hyde's not playing then they can make a lot work um you know philip Gaines, he's not not someone who should really be scared of and you know you said if if Corey's a number one receiver, he needs to get his, and that's true. But if Taewon is a number two receiver, he should be beating Philip Gaines, I think. Yeah, uh, we all know how much I love Tredavious White. I loved him in the draft process. But he's really one of those safer cornerbacks uh, that just doesn't get beat deep and kind of keeps everything in front of him. 
Um, uh, last week, uh, he, he was targeted eight times, gave up five receptions for 89 yards. Um, that's 17.8 yards per reception. That's that's a, a good amount. Uh, he did give up a 43-yarder um, within that, which kind of inflates a little bit. Uh, but he also had three pass breakups. Uh, which is really good. Um, I think where Corey Davis could really beat Corey uh, could could really beat Tre'Davious White is maybe on those short routes and slant routes um, where he can just kind of run after the catch and make some guys miss. Uh, White has missed three tackles on the year, um, and he only missed eight all of last season. So maybe his tackling's not up to up to snuff this season. Um, and Corey Davis has really shown to be able. He's been really aggressive so far, uh, particularly after the catch, and he's made a lot of people miss. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if if he can get a couple good uh, runs after the catch uh, this week and, and get up to like maybe eighty to hundred yards. Um, so third matchup that I have written down is hold up I flipped my notes over. Uh, oh yeah, Brian Arakpo versus what's the name, Matthias? Dion Dawkins. Dion Dawkins. Is he related to Dalen Dawkins, Titans <laughs> running back? Yes. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. I have no idea. The, the Bills' offensive line may very well be the worst in the NFL. And more than any week so far, the Titans' pass rush, as good as they are with guys like Landry and Correa, Rackpo, Morgan, Casey, I mean, it's just an endless plethora of pass rushers. They got to get like four or five sacks this week when you're going against that offensive line. Yeah, you you really want to see it. I mean, they they've been the pass rush has been great all year. Um, in particular, Arakpo has been really good, but he just hadn't hasn't been getting home. Um, and, and he doesn't have a sack yet, but he has eight hurries and one QB hit. Um, and against an offensive line like this. Uh, against an inexperienced uh, left tackle like Deion Dawkins. I think there's a game where Arakpo um, could really explode and maybe get, get multiple sacks in this game. Um, for sure, hurries and uh, and QB hits are coming, um, but I just don't see how Deion Dawkins is going to be able to um, to guard him. Uh, and also, yeah, I, I know the matchup was Arakpo, but I don't know how the interior of the Bills offensive line is going to uh, block Jarrell Casey. Let, let's, Kate- let's stop and talk about Jarrell Casey for just a second because mm-hmm. there was the big deal made, well, he was just going to be exclusively a three technique this year. And and we talk all the time about how he kind of goes quiet and then he just has crazy games. Jarrell Casey is one of the best players on the defensive line in the NFL in the last 10 years. And he mm-hmm. might be having his best year ever through four games. He's... He's in all-pro form right now, and I don't think anyone could really deny that. Um, and even if he wasn't uh, getting sacks uh, and forcing all these fumbles, um, we'd say the same because he is just always around the quarterback. Uh, and even in run defense, he is just – he's immovable um, by offensive linemen. Um, and the Bills' interior is made up of a couple cast-offs. Uh, Vlad Dukas is at one of the guard spots. Uh, Russell Bodine, who Bengals fans absolutely hate because he's been really <laughs> bad for quite a while, um, is at center. So I don't. I think Casey's going to have a huge game. I think Arakpo's going to have a huge game. Um, and then we can just bring Harold Landry off the bench, who's been unbelievable. He's, he's been unblockable uh, when he gets that speed rush going. So I think I think Josh Allen's going to be under a lot a lot of pressure in this game, and I, I think it is going to lead to a couple of turnovers. Yeah, I'm, I'm really rooting for Casey. I'd like to see him break his previous sack total. I think he's at, what, three now? Mm-hmm. Which I think he had, what, maybe six or so last year? Um, that means he's on but, pace for 12. Yeah. I can't. I think his, I think he's, he's gotten in double digits before, right? I'm trying to think. I think, I I think he had one with, yeah, 10, 10 and, and a half, half 2013. Yeah, yeah. That'd be, it'd be nice to see him break that. But it's funny, you know, with him, he's, what, six feet, six one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of the draft guys, they, they knocked him for that. That's why he fell. But if you look around the league, there's so many good defensive tackles that are shorter, like him, Geno Atkins. Yep. I don't think Aaron Donald is too tall. It's that low Great, center. Brady Jarrett from the Falcons also. Yeah. And it's, he just gets, like you said, he's immovable. He's so fun to watch, especially with that big body and those like, skinny legs he's got. He's just all <laughs> over the place. Yeah. So, uh, 
before we head out, because we've kind of etched our preview at this point, let's spend a couple minutes talking about the rest of the AFC South. Um, Colts, Texans, Jaguars. I'll say a few things, and then you guys can, can close us out. I think it's clear who the best of those three teams is. Um, I think it's clear who the worst of those three teams is. Um, Houston is very, very average. Jacksonville is very, very good at everywhere except the quarterback position. And maybe the receivers aren't that good either. And then you have Indianapolis, who is a team of Andrew Luck, and that is all. Yeah, that's pretty pretty accurate. The thing about Indy, though, is you could argue that they could be 4-0 right now. Because if you look at the Bengals, they were driving uh, to, I think, tie it up or win, and then they fumbled it and went for a touchdown They lost the game. Then They, they were leading in that game also. Yeah. And then Philadelphia, I think they were driving at the end, mm-hmm. either couldn't convert or luck through a pick. And then last week, obviously, there was the overtime debacle where they could have at least gotten a tie, and they probably should have beat Houston earlier on. Um, they're better than than their record indicates. I think they're better than Houston, actually, uh, mm. pretty, just because of Andrew Luck. I think um, I think they're going to get smoked tonight against the Patriots because Ty Hilton's out. Um, Fifty to zero. All of their players are out. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Darius Leonard has been awesome. I think he got rookie yeah. rookie of the month, and he was someone I really liked in the draft and was kind of hoping for. And he's been un- he's been unbelievable. But uh, yeah, it's I think it's going to be Titans and Jags from here on out pretty clearly I, I will say number one I'm, I'm excited to watch Andrew Luck whenever he, they play the Titans next uh, because I haven't gotten to watch him yet now I guess I'll get to watch him tonight but um number two I think I said this on our Texans recap but getting to watch Deshaun Watson in person was a totally underwhelming experience he he, he his arm is very very average I was about to say he's literally he's just average. We get nothing about him and really he, screams. And you could do a whole lot worse than average, right? Some teams no. can't even get there. That's no, way better fine. than what they've had. Yeah, he, he's a fine quarterback, but he's not the top five elite guy that people thought he was um, over a four game stretch uh, last year, where he was throwing interceptions. Anyway, I, I the, the guy throws an interception like every game it seems. And like you said, his arm, really nothing special at all. Doesn't have a lot of velocity. And he's very inaccurate at times. It's actually quite shocking. Um, as for the other teams, um, I thought Andrew Luck was playing terribly until this, until the second half of this Texans game. I have no idea what happened. He just started turning it on. He was throwing a freaking Zach Pascal, who I'm pretty sure was like a Titans practice squad guy at one point. Uh, Chester Rogers. Um, and Ryan Grant, who's, who looks really bad. So uh, I commend Luck for even getting the Colts into position to win that game, which they probably should have won that game. Uh, but they decided to, to pull a Mike Brable and go for it on fourth down, although they they went for it from their own their own uh, territory and they ended up losing the game. Uh, can we talk crazy. about that, by the way? Yeah. I want to get your thoughts on it. Um. Well, I was just going to say, first of all, it's crazy that he threw for six, 62 times. Like, sure. if your quarterback's been out for about two years with a shoulder injury, maybe you should uh, take it a little easy on him instead of, like, blowing out the tires in the first four. Um, but, I, I mean, Reich said what he said. Like, we're going to go for that 10 for 10. Um, it's a little different than Vrabel. Vrabel's made more sense from a statistical standpoint. Um but I think he's he's just trying to be Peter, keep on that Peterson mantra and follow the Eagles suit. Uh, but it worked a little better for them being aggressive in the Super Bowl than it did that game. Yeah, I I, I just it's kind of like I know you don't want a tie, but a tie is better than a loss in terms of win percentage. So why would you just give up the game? You know, yeah. that's, that's my thinking. I will say you like you just said like luck was on fire that game. So he might have mm-hmm. just thought there's no way they can stop him because they haven't done it for the second half, and then mm-hmm. they just came up big. But that's the only that's the only reason why I can think that's made sense, just because Luck was on fire at that point. Yeah. Also, uh, in terms of Luck's pass attempts, he has 186 through four weeks. 
Uh, that's on pace for, I don't know, 744 attempts in the year. <laughs> His arm is going to fall off. Just easing him back into it. Nice and yeah, slow. yeah. Well, it was like Jack Conklin, first game back from an ACL tear. He plays five quarters against the best defensive line yeah. in the NFL. Like, welcome back. Yeah. Maybe they should have gotten a running back for him instead of Marlon Mack and a bunch of mid-round guys. And I think Christine Michael's on there. I, I thought they were going to end up with Saquon Barkley, and I would have mm. been all for that. But then the Giants took him. Yeah. And in the second draft, I thought, surely they're going to take Darius, guys. Nope. Nope. Before he retired, I was sure that DeMarco was going to end up there. That just seemed like... That's usually what happens uh, before I just before really Titans retire DeMarco, and they go to Indianapolis. I was really hoping DeMarco was not going to end up in Detroit, as was rumored he was, because I like DeMarco Murray, hence why I don't want him to ever go to Detroit. <laughs> yeah, I don't want him in Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> I would legitimately feel bad for the guy if that's where he went to die. Although, <laughs> I would rather watch him than watch LeGarrette Blunt every week. It's just painful. At this point, they need to give the ball to carry on. He's been tearing yeah, it up, he, but they're giving him like six carries a game. He could be legitimately like a top five running back in this league. He is so good at everything, and mm-hmm. he's huge and he's fast. He he reminds me of Demarco, by the way. He's a yeah. lot smaller. Mm, no, he's like Carryon's like Demarco is six even. 220 and carry on johnson is less than six feet tall oh i'm wrong he's yeah he's 511 206 yeah he looks way though wow Never he was kind of banged up through college right and he kind of struggled uh, yeah injuries. he got he got injured last year i uh, i think it might have been like a shoulder injury or something um which sucked because auburn was really good and he was having a really good season um but yeah he looks like the real deal so far well, uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, hope everyone enjoys the Titans-Bills game coming up on Sunday in Buffalo. We will be back next week with Will to recap that game. Uh, Nick, thanks again for uh, helping us out. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I enjoyed talking about such an exciting opponent. Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'll do it for us. For Matthias Wadner and Nick Lombardi, I'm Luke Worsham. Thank you for listening to the Titan Size Podcast. We'll talk to everyone next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.